You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. It's been almost eight years of waiting, but after yesterday's announcement that Lyft and Uber received approval, rubber hit the road in record time. In less than 24 hours, both companies had cars on the road and the competition is on. Richard Zussman is live with more on day one demand and the frustrations that remain. Richard. Sophie, it's been one of the enduring pictures of this whole debate around rideshare. People waiting here at YVR for a cab. It's a different picture today. It's also a much different reality. Ridesharing now available at the airport in Metro Vancouver, but there's a lot of areas that aren't getting the service they want. It's not every day your ride arrives with an applause, but for Lyft, this is a day they've been waiting for for years. The journey to bring Lyft to BC has been a long one. Ride hailing services officially hitting Vancouver's roads on Friday. Lyft only picking up passengers in Vancouver's core at the PNE and at YVR Airport. They will drop off wherever those riders are headed. The big challenge is a lack of drivers. The company says it's due to the province putting in place a commercial class 4 license requirement. As we bring more and more drivers onto the platform and fine-tune our operations, we'll expand our operating area. Uber also launching today, offering a larger service area. But these are some of the areas where people are being left out. Including Tawasson, uh, in my town of Delta, uh, White Rock, South Surrey, Langley, Maple Ridge, Pitt Meadows and West Vancouver. Only Vancouver has issued business licenses. New Westminster and the Tri-Cities say vehicles can get rolling with permits. Then there are the areas where Uber is operating and the municipalities don't want them. Burnaby says drivers could be ticketed for picking up in the city because they don't have a local business license. Our own bylaw enforcement as well as the RCMP, we expect them to see whatever the city's bylaws are to be enforced. Surrey is trying to keep ride sharing out entirely, but if you look at the Uber app, drivers can still pick up in Surrey. Uber says they aren't trying to break any laws. We've been in touch with communities about our, about our plans as well. Mayor's Council Chair Jonathan Cote says a regional business license should be available by February, but expects Surrey to not sign on. It does provide some opportunities uh, for some new transportation options uh, needed in the region, uh, but as we've seen in, in other parts of the world, ride hazing has also caused uh, challenges with, uh, with increased congestion. One area where there will be full service is the Vancouver International Airport. Both companies making YVR a priority but there are rules on where people can pick up a ride. For passengers that are departing the airport, uh, they will use the departures level curb, um, similar to, to drop-offs occurring today. But for anybody that's arriving at the airport, we've designated separate pickup areas for ride-up services. Hmm. All right, obviously uh, good news for travelers at YVR, especially those who've had to wait in those long lines. What's the response though, Richard, from taxi drivers? Sophie, the pickup area for rideshare is about 10 feet that way, and you can see the pickup area for taxi is here. And every single taxi driver I have spoken to, Sophie, is very concerned about the impact that Uber and Lyft will have on their business. Let's have a listen to one of those taxi drivers. So there is some people waiting for Uber, though. So they're coming. It's going to be big because it's not fair, like, because uh, we have to pay triple insurance and everything. So it's hard to compete anyways. 
A lot of the other taxi drivers, Sophie said, they're going to have to wait and see what sort of impacts this will have. Some taxi drivers we know have also started to drive for Uber and Lyft. Clearly, this is just something that's starting to take off, something we're going to have to watch closely and will have an impact on people arriving here and traveling around Metro Vancouver as a whole, Sophie. Certainly looks like there are plenty of cabs tonight. All right, thanks, Richard. Yeah. Well, not everyone, of course, will get to try it right away. The service, as we heard, is primarily in Vancouver. So if you're wondering what the experience is like from start to finish, Jennifer Palma hailed a lift and takes you along for the ride. Setting up your pickup. Oh, I just got charged my A ride at your fingertips. Ride hailing is here, and we got a lift. Rise in eight minutes. Eight minutes later, our lift arrives. It's a Chevy Cruze, and Bilal is our driver. It's a happy day for you today? Absolutely very happy, very happy. It's the first day of ride hailing being made available in British Columbia. So are we the first ride today? Is that the first ride in my car? For years, Bilal has been waiting to sign up as a ride hailing driver. He's doing it for the extra cash. He's a part-time limo driver who used to be a taxi driver. He's hoping to make an extra fifteen to $1,600 a month with Lyft. Well, I, I'm a father of two children. I got one two years old, one is six years old. So I need to support my family, extra earning. We took our freshly cleaned lift, complete with free water bottles, from the Fairmont Pacific Rim to Rogers Arena. It cost $8.95 and took about eight minutes to get there. And we could watch the whole thing through the app. But cost-wise, how does that compare to Uber and a taxi? Uber and Lyft charge similar rates and fees. As for taxis, the costs go up significantly. So for the trip we took to the arena, with Uber, it will cost $8.47, a taxi, $11.60. That's all without a tip. I always wanted to own a taxi cab, but because of my financial status, you know, I was not able to afford it as a driver because the taxi company was charging too much money, you know, too expensive. So actually great opportunity for me. Bilal says he'd like to become a full-time ride-hailing driver and he might just get his wish if Vancouverites get used to getting around interacting with an app that hails a vehicle and lets you pay, tip and rate your driver through it. Thank you so much, thank you. Thank you very much. And service like this, he'll go far. Jennifer Palma, Global News. All right, now to breaking developments from the Oscar Arfman murder trial. Arfman was found guilty of first-degree murder in the killing of Abbotsford Police Constable John Davidson. Tonight, we have powerful new video to show you that may have helped in his conviction. Jordan Armstrong joins us live in the studio with the breaking details. Jordan, this is dash cam video which captured Arfman. That's right, Sophie. It's a key piece of evidence shown in court, but evidence the public hasn't seen until tonight. Larry Seifert was a witness for the Crown. He was leaving a fast food drive through in Abbotsford when his dash cam captured video of Arfman holding a rifle just moments before Constable Davidson was fatally shot. Seifert initially drove away, but circled back to get another look at Arfman. He again saw Arfman trying to reload the gun, but in a different area of the parking lot. When Arfman left the parking lot, Seaford followed, telling the 911 dispatcher, he's an old guy. I'm trying to figure it out. It's a black Mustang with Alberta plates, and he's driving really, really calmly up the road. Seaford went on to say, quote, I'm in a car. If he stops and pulls his gun out on me, 
I'm going to run him over. It's just that simple. Now, we'd previously seen a still photo of Arfman with the weapon, but Seifert's evidence is the only known video of him with the rifle. Last October, 67-year-old Arfman was found guilty of first-degree murder. It carries an automatic life sentence with no chance of parole for at least 25 years. Sophie? All right, thanks for that. Jordan Armstrong reporting live tonight. Highway 4 reopening for a few hours today to essential traffic only following a blasting mishap. Cars and small pickups were allowed to travel the road through 8 o'clock tonight, so it's open for another couple of hours yet. The highway was damaged yesterday when a scheduled blast, part of the Kennedy Hill Safety Improvement Project, unexpectedly caused a large volume of rock to fall across the roadway. The contractor worked nonstop through the night to build up the road base after a portion of the shoulder and traveling surface sloughed away. There will be another limited reopening at Kennedy Hill tomorrow between 8 a.m. and noon. Crews will then install a bridge with the target of opening for regular traffic on Sunday afternoon. And meantime, the city of Burnaby is still working to clear away debris and soil from a slide that forced the evacuation of six homes yesterday. The slide came down near the Barnett Highway when a retaining wall of a property in the 7300 block of Brayside Drive gave way. A geotechnical engineer examined the site this afternoon and gave BC Hydro the go-ahead to reconnect power to the homes affected. The city says they are continuing to assess which portion of the retaining wall will need to be removed and how to safely do that. Access to the lane will continue to be restricted until they're confident there are no safety concerns. In Abbotsford, a woman's quick thinking helps her thwart an attempted robbery and possible injury. Last Wednesday, due to the snowstorm, Menjinder Gill's work closed early. As she was leaving and walking to her car, she noticed a man who wasn't dressed for the weather coming right at her. She says when he got close enough to put his hand on her back, he said he had a knife and that they were going to empty her bank account. As they were walking, Gill noticed people coming out of a nearby building. That's when she bravely made her move. I thought this was my only opportunity. Probably, I didn't really think, I just acted and I just ran screaming at the top of my lungs, um, saying, call 911, he's got a knife, call 911, he's got a knife. Um, I remember from the beginning when it first happened, I just felt so isolated that um, nobody knows what's going on. So when I ran and causing as much noise as I could, it was more for people to be aware as to what was going on so I didn't feel so isolated anymore. The would-be robber took off, and while police confirmed they're investigating this incident, there was also a very similar incident the next day. And in that case, a 32-year-old man was arrested and charged. Right now, though, WestJet has some explaining to do after an Okanagan family put their puppy on a flight from Saskatoon to Kelowna. What was supposed to be a five-hour trip somehow turned into 17 hours with no food or water for their pet. And as Global, Global's Claudia Van Emmerich reports, the family is looking for answers. Clover is adjusting to her new life with her new family in Vernon. But the five-month-old pup had quite the ordeal getting to the Okanagan from her breeder in Saskatoon. I was just flabbergasted that this kind of thing can happen. On January 8th, the Straw family was anxiously waiting for Clover to arrive on a WestJet flight at the Kelowna airport. But when the dog was not unloaded, the family went to investigate and was shocked when a staffer said... 
Sorry, we've lost your dog. It turned out that Clover, who was flying via Calgary, somehow ended up being loaded onto a flight back to Saskatoon instead of Kelowna. And then she had to wait another six hours before she was sent back to Calgary and then to Kelowna. What was supposed to be a five-hour journey turned into a 17-hour journey for her. When the border collie finally arrived in Kelowna, the family says it was obvious the trip had taken its toll. She wouldn't look at us. She was shaking. She wouldn't eat any of her food or water. In an email to Global News, a spokesperson said the airline takes the transportation of animals very seriously and it recognizes that in this case it did not meet the standards that it strives to deliver. While the family is happy to have Clover with them, they still have more questions than answers. She might have been in a crate for 17 hours. I don't know whether she was taken out of the crate to stretch. I don't know whether she was given any water. The family hopes by sharing what they call their traumatic story, it prompts airlines to be more careful so that this doesn't happen again. WestJet has reimbursed the family for the flight and is sincerely apologizing for the situation. Now, a not-so-happy ending for another dog, which had been at the center of a legal battle for years. Punky was put on death row after a history of aggressive behavior. His owner admits the dog was no angel, but instead of putting him down, there was hope that rehabilitation would change the judge's mind. Jill Bennett reports. Come here, sweetie. What you doing? This is as close as Susan Santis has been able to get to her dog, Punky, for more than two and a half years, after the four-year-old Australian cattle dog was seized by Vancouver Animal Control. This could have been all solved with them giving him back to me with strict conditions. It was in Locarno Park in August of 2017. While playing frisbee, Punky bit another woman. That bite led to a lengthy legal battle that just ended this week. It's actually been very unjust. I wasn't represented. I think I should have had a retrial. Santos says the entire process was flawed and filled with misinformation. Based on evidence heard at trial, three appeal court judges ruled Santos was willfully blind to the risk Punky posed and downplayed the fact Punky was aggressive and prone to biting. He had some previous bites and a couple nips. Uh, The bites were more like marks and bruises. I love you, Punk. Yes, I love my boy. A plea to Canada's highest court was rejected, meaning the lower court order that Punky be destroyed stood. The wrong decision, according to Victoria Schroff, who joined the case after the original trial. Killing a dog should not be the first avenue that we go down. It should be like, how can we rehabilitate? How can we manage? How can we do things to keep the public safe? and keep the dog owners happy. We had people from all over the world literally coming to us and saying, I will take him, I will rehabilitate him, I will pay for him. Punky was euthanized at Vancouver Animal Control Thursday afternoon. Santa says she wasn't allowed to be there. Jill Bennett, Global News. New details tonight in the murder of a 45-year-old woman in the Gastown area. The body of Tanya Heyer was found early Sunday morning in an apartment on Water Street. Nadia Stewart spoke to devastated friends who say she had been trying so hard to turn her life around and give back. I can picture her and see her laughing. <laughs> There's a lot of things that'll just keep, keep her memory alive with me. Michelle Snow learned a few days ago her friend Tanya Heyer was Vancouver's latest homicide victim. 
The reality she'll never see her again is only just starting to sink in. We did everything together. Um, we went to sober dances, we went for coffees, we went to meetings. We, we kept each other going when we didn't want to. Hire's body was found in this building at 112 Water Street last Sunday. It's not clear why she was there or how she died. No arrests have been made. We believe there are people in the community who know Miss Hire and know information about her death. Hire worked for the Lookout Society and the Downtown East Side Women's Centre. Neither of them were commenting Friday. The circumstances of Tanya's death is so sad because she should have been so much more. Maya Lenny says Tanya was like a sister to her. They met 17 years ago at recovery. Maya made it, but she says Tanya wrestled with her demons. There is answers for drug addicts everywhere, and Tanya had found it. She found the answer um, and created a great life for herself. Relapse is often part of recovery, and it's sad that it was part of Tanya's recovery. Her demon took her out and she wanted to come back. Snow says her friend's death is painful for many reasons. We all wanted her back. She didn't make it back. And um, it's a big loss, it really is. It's not just because she was my friend, but she, she did a lot to help a lot of people, a lot of women. Nadia Stewart, Global News. Well, the controversial issue of birth tourism has come to the fore again tonight with news that the U.S. government is cracking down on women who travel to America to have their babies. As Paul Johnson reports, critics are wondering why the Canadian government doesn't also take action with some B.C. hospitals on track to deliver record numbers of so-called anchor babies. Visa officers now instructed that it is impermissible to grant visas to pregnant women traveling to the U.S. for the primary purpose of giving birth here. That's the latest from the U.S., where they've taken a different approach to the problem of birth tourism. That new directive comes after a series of several high-profile criminal investigations where U.S. operators of birth tourism businesses ended up with jail time and fines. No surprise, it's an issue that works for President Trump. Congratulations, your son or daughter is now an American citizen. Does anybody think this makes sense? It pains me to ever, ever agree with Donald Trump and his administration, but they actually have it right in this case. B.C. Liberal MLA Jazz Johal represents Richmond, which is the epicenter of Canada's birth tourism industry. Many of the babies are born at Richmond Hospital, and the surrounding neighborhoods are home to many so-called birth tourism hotels, whose online ads explain in detail how foreign women can come stay with them, have their baby, and get a Canadian passport. When Americans busted the operations there, they said they were pulling in millions of dollars a year. You don't think for a moment that people aren't making that kind of money here? We have not touched this. We have not gone after this industry in Canada. It's not known if Ottawa has any new plans to crack down on birth tourism in Canada. Global News didn't get a response from the minister responsible for immigration. Joe Hall says Canada could do something similar to what the Americans have done prosecute people for counseling travelers to lie on their visa applications 
and bolster enforcement at ports of entry. By the end of this year, Richmond, well, 25% of all the kids born in Richmond Hospital will be passport babies. One out of four. That's not a hospital anymore. That's a passport mill. Paul Johnson, Global News. Porch cameras in Houston, Texas, capture the sight and sound of a massive explosion at a factory that killed at least two people. The blast was felt through most of the city and damaged dozens of homes and buildings up to a kilometer away. Some homes were pushed off their foundations and people were knocked out of their beds. The two people who died are believed to have been employees of the company. The BC Center for Disease Control tonight says despite rumors on social media, there are still no confirmed cases of the novel coronavirus here in BC. There are now more than 1,300 cases worldwide, more than 95% of them in mainland China. 41 people have died. There have been 30 cases in other countries, but the CDC says none in BC or Canada. Certainly, if we had a detection of this novel coronavirus confirmed in our province, we would be notifying British Columbians. We know that you would want to know that, and we would in importantly use that to reinforce the importance of early detection. So if there is a case, we will inform you about it. In China, however, the number of people now under virtual quarantine and travel bans is now roughly equal to the population of Canada. The situation is so bad, officials are rushing to build a new hospital in one week. I'm Janice Mackey Freyer. Across China tonight, an expanding lockdown to contain an epidemic. Travel bans in over a dozen cities, affecting 35 million people. And a race to cope. Construction on a 1,000-bed hospital to be finished in less than a week. The mysterious virus now reaching Europe, with confirmed cases in France and nine other countries. With over 900 infections, 41 people have died, including an otherwise healthy 36-year-old man, raising fears of who is vulnerable. Hospitals in Wuhan locked down and overwhelmed, appealing for supplies and help. State media trying to downplay with wishes for a safe and happy Lunar New Year. Holiday celebrations and events are cancelled here. With no vaccine or treatment, crowds are a danger. Tourist attractions closed, including Shanghai Disney and sections of the Great Wall. Anxiety and anger spreading rapidly here, with masks selling out and much of China on edge. Janice Mackey Freyer, NBC News, Beijing. Today was the last day for Democrats in Washington, D.C. to lay out their case in the impeachment trial of Donald Trump. One by one, impeachment managers told senators how Trump had obstructed Congress in its investigation and into his dealings with Ukraine. The House investigating committees sought a total of 71 specific categories of documents from six different agencies and offices President Trump blocked every single one of these requests. Even President Nixon, who famously attempted to defy a subpoena for tape recordings of his conversations, he let his most senior staff testify before Congress. Trump's team is expected to begin its defense tomorrow. 
The number of American soldiers who were injured in last month's Iranian missile strike on a U.S. base in Iraq continues to grow. The Pentagon now says 34 American troops were diagnosed with traumatic brain injuries and concussions as a result of the attack. U.S. President Donald Trump initially said no troops were hurt. The Pentagon says half of the troops who were injured have returned to their military duties and the other 17 are still under medical observation or treatment. Italy's Mount Etna is certainly putting on a show with its latest eruption. The eruption is sending rocks flying through the air and causing lava to flow down its slopes. That's from a series of explosions that have taken place in different craters in the volcano over the past two days. Etna is the largest of Italy's three active volcanoes. In Health Matters tonight, another major push for the provincial government to cover all forms of female contraception. Victoria City Council has voted unanimously to make the case for more funding and is now taking it to the next level. Brad McLeod reports. Ask women what they think about having the cost of their contraception covered. I think it's a great thing. Most definitely. This is my grandson and a little bit of contraception didn't happen and here he is. That includes city councillor Sarah Potts. She couldn't afford birth control when she was young. It just wasn't available to me. She was 18 when she got pregnant. She had to delay her high school graduation. While she doesn't regret raising her teen now... Yeah, it was definitely a real shake-up to, to my life. Potts was part of a unanimous council vote to be the first BC municipality to join the call for free prescription birth control, an initiative of Access BC. They say IUDs can cost $75 to $380, oral contraceptive pills $20 per month, and hormone injections as much as $180 per year. The cost of the program could be well over $50 million, but... This type of program pays for itself within about a year. So what does Victoria's support mean? Probably some misconception out there. Is Victoria now going to be funding contraception? The city is just advocating. So why are they spending time on an issue they can't enact? I think anytime you're sitting in elected office, you have an obligation to respond to the things that your constituents are saying. In the case of contraception, many don't mind council chiming in. Having a city as, I guess, powerful as Victoria to support that is a great thing. And it doesn't consume a whole lot of their time. It's appropriate that they would say, this is what we think. Pot says it does take council's time, but no city staff resources. The endorsement is meant to raise awareness among other municipalities and ultimately get the attention of provincial policymakers. Brad McLeod, Global News, Victoria. A big day for BC Ferries as the next generation of its fleet finally arrives. Right after the forecast, the latest update on two new hybrid ships and where they'll sail. And meteorologist Yvonne Shell is in tonight with a look at that forecast. Dark now, Yvonne, but we actually saw some breaks in the cloud today. Very rare. We did see some sunshine, and we may see it. Uh, I'll show you that in the long-range forecast in just a moment. But we had a nice break in between systems. It's dry right now to the airport. We're sitting at 8 with an easterly wind at 9 kilometers per hour. And temperatures today getting up to 10 into the double digits. The average for this time of the year sits at 7. This evening, we will still see a few isolated showers hanging on to the cloud cover. And then this is the next 
next weather maker that is going to push in. It'll bring periods of rain heavy overnight and through the morning hours on Saturday. So if you do have plans early tomorrow morning, it'll be a wet start. And then by the afternoon, it'll be a chance of showers. And then another weather maker and system is going to push in. And that'll be late overnight and leading in towards the day on Sunday. So very similar for both days out of the weekend. Along the mountain passes, four and up to eight centimeters for both the Kootenai and Coquihalla. And the snowfall does continue through the morning and early afternoon. Allison and Rogers Pass, two and up to four centimeters, leading in towards your Saturday and areas near the Pine Pass that will be falling as flurries. Along the northern half, so periods of rain, temperatures up to eight, a transition from snow to rain for areas near Smithers. Dry across the central interior with the partly cloudy sky and much of the southern interior, temperatures will be close to or hovering the freezing mark overnight. So it'll be snow and then changing over to rain with temperatures getting up to three and the mountain pass is still seeing flurries and light snowfall for the morning. South coast tomorrow we will see the heaviest rain for the morning easing off. It'll be a chance of showers for the afternoon. A heads up, soggy for both days out of the weekend and into early next week. Temperatures, though, still staying mild with highs up to nine. Guys? All right. Thanks, Yvonne. Well, BC Ferries, two newest vessels are in Victoria tonight. Crews putting the finishing touches on the hybrid electric ships. Victoria's Johnson Street Bridge was raised this morning to allow the ships to be moved to Point Hope Maritime. Ferries crews will now conduct final inspections and test runs before the ships are christened and crews are trained. The island-class vessels will run as electric diesel hybrids for now until BC Ferries has the infrastructure in place to allow them to run as fully electric ships. Ferries says the ships will have lower emissions and less underwater noise. They're kind of like a Toyota Prius on the water. So they've got an engine on board that keeps the batteries charged, and then the batteries turn the electric motor, which turns the propellers. Similar in a, in a, in a Prius, the electric motor is turning the wheels. So the, the battery does the propulsion until such time the battery charge drops down to a certain level, then the engine comes on and tops up the battery. So uh, they can operate purely on battery, but when you're going full speed over longer distances, of course, the engine will be starting and stopping necessary to keep the batteries charged up. The two ferries are slated for the Powell River, Texada Island and Port McNeil Alert Bay Sointula routes. Ferry says they will be in service by late May. Pretty cool tech. And for those of you listening, yes, Sophie came down with a cold in the last 40 minutes. <laughs> I don't know what happened just there. Just a little congestion. <laughs> just a little. Might be allergies. Sorry, I'm sn- sniffling a lot. <laughs> <coughs> okay, All right. okay. It's spreading. You okay? Stop it. I, I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, Megan Augusta, we talked about her yesterday at the NHL All-Star yep, Skills they are, they're playing their game right about now. Mm. But we're going to show you what happened before that. There are three Canucks at the All-Star Weekend, which started tonight with the skills competition. Elias Pedersen in the hardest shot, Jacob Markstrom, consecutive saves, and Quinn Hughes, fastest skater. Here they are skating slowly when they were introduced. And here's Quinn doing his best, but this is not a competition he's going to win. He's a good skater. He's a very good skater. And he gave it a go here, but he wasn't close to being the fastest. The fastest actually was not Connor McDavid. It was Matthew Barzell, who did a lot of skating at the Burnaby Winter Club when he was growing up. He won the fastest skater competition. Consecutive saves was won by Jordan Bennington of St. Louis, which was popular since it's in St. Louis. But Jacob Markstrom was out there, and his most consecutive was five before he was scored on. Every stops Tyler Sagan and Nathan McKinnon. As long as he makes saves during games, that's more important than making saves in a skills competition. We mentioned Milos Ronic today taking on Stefanos 
Sissipas, who was the sixth seed at the Aussie Open. But Ronich, healthy. His back feels better. Everything feels better. And remember, this guy at one time, and he still is, was one of the best in the world. I know you think of Shapovalov and Felix Oze Aliassim on the men's side as young Canadians coming up, but the old guy, Ronich, who's not that old, he's 29, won this in straight sets. This is a big upset, but there were some upsets at the Aussie yesterday. Serena Williams going down for one. That was a huge surprise too, but Milos Ronich will take on Marin Silic in his next match. And now the story of a young basketball player whose mother and her overcame so much just to get to Canada. And now she's overcoming opponents on the basketball court and a lot of people are noticing. Surprise Muni stands out for a lot of reasons. The unique name, the big smile, the dazzling basketball talent, her big heart. Maybe it's because at 17, she's already lived quite a life. Surprise was born in a refugee camp in Nigeria in 2000 after her family was forced to flee war-torn Liberia. That was her life for six years, just her mom and a few other close relatives just trying to survive. It was definitely a lot of struggle, but that's kind of how, like I remember a lot of details, you know, like how my mom used to go and carry the ice on her head and then come from like the market to the refugee camp. And yeah, I remember all of those things. But when Surprise was six, she and her mom moved to Vancouver. It was a fresh start. Still a struggle, her mom worked multiple jobs to make ends meet, and because of that, Surprise took up basketball after school, and it was love at first sight. Like my mom made me play at Strath Community Center, and then, yeah, it was just, I would be in the gym all the time, and then there was Women's League going on, and after school, I would go to Women's League and just watch people play, and then play during halftime, stuff like that. Once I had seen her a few times, I said, why, why don't you come by in the morning and we have a shooting machine and you can practice shooting on your way to Queen Alexandra. So that's when I first uh, saw her. Yeah. Surprise joined the basketball program full-time at Britannia in grade eight and has been a star ever since. She's got the athleticism and the drive, but she's also put in the work and has had a soulmate in teammate Shamaya Abateo, who came to Britannia six years ago from the Philippines. They've been best friends ever since. I came to Canada when I was in grade six, so it was like hard for me to like learn, speak English, and then like transfer into like a basketball language, you know what I mean? And then so like surprises there, helping me all the time. Helping is another surprise quality. She's one of the leaders at her school, getting young kids to play basketball and feel part of a team. I've been one of those kids who, you know, had nowhere to go after school. Um, I'm very involved in the sports community, as, and it's really important for me because my coaches also remind me that I have to branch out and I have to get myself out there. And a lot of those things are like leadership and like just coaching and getting more kids involved, you know. Surprise will play her college basketball at Simon Fraser. Before then, she hopes to lead Britannia to a provincial title and maybe get her mom out to watch her play. Perhaps the biggest surprise of this story, her mom has never seen her play a basketball game, ever. I was so afraid of messing up in front of her that I, I never invited her to any of my games. And then she was working all the time and I was like, you don't have to come, you're working. You know, it's great having someone like who's never even seen you play, but you know, they believe in you so much. And I think that's definitely um, what's gotten me to this point because she believes in me so much. Tiger Woods at the uh, Farmers Open, second round. Had an okay day, minus one. This is a nice shot. Had a double bogey, but he's six off the lead at four under par. The lead is held by Ryan Palmer, 
It was a veritable aviary. He had 11 birdies. Look at the view from behind him. Forget this pot. Look at the view. There it is. Oh. He really likes it the looks misty. It does look. Well, it was actually misty there for a while. Anyway, he is the leader at 10 under par by two shots. There you go. Here's a look at your snow report for tonight. 16 new centimeters for Whistler Blackcomb. A base of 260 for Grouse and Cypress and Sasquatch with three new centimeters. Eight new centimeters for Manning Park, Revelstoke 13, Fernie 10, and 9 for Kicking Horse. 16 new centimeters for Big White, three for Silver Star, Sun Peaks, and Apex. 14 new centimeters for Mount Washington, 15 Whitewater, Red Mountain 9, Powder King 20, and a base of 297. Okay, it's Friday. Let's end the week right. <coughs> Satellite debris. Well, What's going okay? on? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm okay. Uh, anyway, I've, I've improved. Um, so this commercial I showed a couple of years ago. I like this one. Um, apparently it's done at Manning Park. Oh. So it's local. It's for Samsung, a washing machine. And it includes a bear. <laughs> <laughs> Just putting the feeder hose into the back of the machine. We're getting water directly from the lake over there. Is there a blanket or get something like a warm? Hey guys, guys, we've got company. Let's just move away from that. It's a bear. It's a bear. It's fine. We're fine. Just calmly walk over here. We're fine. You too, sir. Now, please. Let's just give the bear a minute. He's got to move on. Just let the bear be. Oh my. Oh. Whoa, what's. Oh. Um. Bears now leaving. Okay, gang, that's good. For, it's clear for us to go back to say. Oh, it's a polar bear. All you wanted to do is use the washing machine. I wasn't scared. You were. <laughs> that is good. I've never seen that. Love oh, that. I like that one. Uh, I think we showed it a few years ago. Uh, okay, uh, this one's new. It's uh, from Skoda, and it features two police officers who can't officers make that who can't quite seem to get it together. Hold that. No? Okay. Almost. Almost. Do you need help? Tricky lock. Tricky. Yeah? 
not yet. No. You know what? Oh my. Okay. Oh, are you going We're to get him? A little assistant, partner. Yeah. Okay. Little assistance. No, no, come on, come on. Back towards me. Okay. Yep. I'm trying. We're good. Great, great. Yeah. Okay. Austin, we're going. What? Whoa. What? I want to go. Yep, yep, yep. Nope. That's an interesting position. All right, so the last one is for McDonald's from Brazil. You don't yes. need to speak Portuguese to know what is happening in this commercial. Aí, galera, agora aquela do Legião. Ovo Maltini, mais crocante, mais cremoso, mais gostoso. Chegou fazendo barulho. Your cat liked Ovaltine? That malty goodness. What? How? How would that have ever happened? That you just like one day thought you'd give Ovaltine to your cat? No, my mother would drink it, and oh. he. And the Whatever's cat left would... over. I see. Oh, yeah. Breaking details, breaking details in an ongoing dispute between Surrey and ride-hailing companies. We'll tell you about the letter that the city has sent to Lyft. That's Uber, coming. Yeah. Oh, Uber. I'm, I'm sorry, Uber. Uh, we'll have that online and uh, at 11 o'clock tonight. Last word on weather before we go. Um, a heavy round of rain. Our next storm is going to push in, but it'll be overnight leading into the morning hours on Saturday. Quite soggy over the weekend, but mild. That's the silver lining. All right. Thanks, Yvonne. Thank you for watching. Yeah. Happy weekend, everyone. Good night.